everyone. Welcome to the Maitri Podcast Between Friends, Conversations with Maitri. My name is Nandini Ray and I'm the Senior Manager of Maitri's Outreach and Prevention Program. I also love hosting this podcast as on this platform, we raise awareness about different community issues that affect our homes and community. One such community issue is mental health stigma. When we experience any kind of anxiety, depression, fear, and trauma, our emotional well-being gets affected. And when we don't have healthy mental health, then it is not only bad for us, it is bad for our family members, friends, and for the entire community. Due to the stigma attached to uh, mental health, most of us don't talk about it and don't seek help. Yes, we are seeing some changes in our community, but the pace is very, very slow. So it is great to see uh, that youth community members are working hard to break the stigma. Today, we have with us two students from Manmukti UCLA chapter. Uh, they are Namrata and Mridula. I'm so happy to have you here on our show. Um, so, Namrata and Mridula, would you please introduce yourself um, to our audience? Yeah, I, I'm so glad to be here too, and I'm very excited to have this discussion mm -hmm. with you today. But my name is Namrata, and I'm a second year student at UCLA studying psychology and sociology. And I've been a part of Manmukti for two years now, and it's been a really enriching experience. Hi everyone, my name is Mridula. I'm a third year microbiology, immunology, and molecular genetics major. I've been a part of Munmukbi for one year, so this is my second year now. And um, I really like conversations that we have through our organization, and I'm happy to bring some of that conversation to this podcast. Oh, thank you. So yeah, thank you for, uh, for the nice introduction. And can you uh, tell our audience about UCLA Munmukti chapter? Yeah, sure, I can explain. But yes, Manmukti is actually a national mental health organization aimed to serve the South Asian community. But we have one chapter at UCLA, and basically we have a lot of committees that work to create events for campus, as well as outreach that works to support our community. But basically, Manmukti at UCLA creates like a really wholesome space to discuss common mental health issues and how to deal with them as a South Asian. And overall, I feel like we have tried to create a safe space for this kind of discussion and it has been really helpful to see how a lot of students are brought together to discuss these things. So we uh, know that students uh, face um, many mental health stressors like academic pressure, relationship stress, uh, financial stress and family difficulties and these stressors can contribute to mental health challenges. But many studies uh, show that you also know that South Asian youth face extra stress um, in their lives. Uh, many South Asian uh, youth uh, who worked with us, um, they shared that many of them um, or their friends had to balance between two cultures, uh, like maintaining ethnic identity uh, based on collectivism and American ideals of individualism. So these opposing values, um, along with model minority expectations, put a lot of stress on their mental health. Um, but as you are the one who mostly work with students and you are students yourself, so I would like to know what is your perspective? 
what are the reasons that most affect uh, the emotional well-being of South Asian youth? Um, <clears throat> do you think intergenerational cultural conflict is one of them? I would like to know from you. Um, I think absolutely intergenerational conflict is one of them because um, like you're saying, there's this expectation to be like the model minority and like I, I'm not sure if we discussed that, like, it's also a myth, like, it's model minority myth, it's not necessarily just because you're South Asian that academics come easier to you or anything like that, so on top of trying to navigate that expectation, it's also the fact that um, I myself immigrated to the United States when I was really young with my parents, and, um, but I grew up here, so my values on some subjects are different than my parents. And so navigating that conversation and um, trying to get along with my parents about certain things can be challenging on top of academic stressors, like you were saying. Mm. To add on to that, I also relate to Mandela because I also immigrated to the US at a young age. So on top of the academic and social pressure of trying to grow up in a different environment than our parents, we also have like restrictions for our opportunities based on our lack of citizenship. I know that like I've personally been affected by this and I'm sure Mizzoula can relate, but uh, without citizenship, there's a lot of um, limitations on employment opportunities, financial aid, and even like certain academic opportunities because they look for permanent residents or citizens only to apply. And obviously that has made, um, you know, developing a career a little bit more challenging because you have that consideration in mind. So basically you can see how it exacerbates the stresses that are already present and it does create a more um, distressing experience for South Asian immigrants. Hmm. What, what else? I mean, other than, you know, family, uh, uh, intergenerational uh, conflicts, cultural gap, and uh, systemic, what I'm hearing from you, Namrata, systemic challenge you also face that can uh, put a lot of pressure on, on immigrant youth. Um, anything else? I kind of wanted to go off of what Namrata was talking about, actually, like the systemic stuff. So like, by the time I was applying to colleges, my family became permanent citizens. So it was like less of an issue for me, but I have an older brother and when he was applying, we had like a really big question of like, would he get in-state tuition? Because um, we weren't sure if, even if we lived in California, basically my entire life, like we weren't permanent citizens. So we weren't sure if he would have to pay international fees, which are like significantly more expensive than in-state. So um, there was that bit of like, I think the systemic stress also adds to like financial stress. Mm. Um, which is something to think about. And then also what I feel that sometimes when, um, you know, when we are going through any mental uh, pressure, uh, whether it is, um, the whatever the reason is, like we are not feeling well and we are under a lot of stress. And if we don't uh, get opportunity to seek help, to talk to someone about our stress, about our mental health well-being, then it can add more pressure. Uh, like a couple of teens and young adults who um, attended our panels or podcasts previously shared that the stigma associated in health seeking is actually damaging for all community members and especially for youth. Uh, like one teen, I remember she told me that 
I was depressed for some time and I wanted to get some help, but my mom told me that you know, people will know about it and um, that I'm having some mental health issues and it will ruin my future. Um, another teen uh, said that um, it's a big stigma in our community and our previous generations think that we should not talk about our mental health or seek any professional help. Otherwise, we will be labeled. Um, so what I'm seeing here that, um, um, you know, we are probably our, my generation, we are not only um, failing to take care of our own mental health, but we are not even supporting our next generation, our children. Uh, when they want to take um, uh, take care of their emotional well-being. Uh, so as you are representing stu student community and you work mostly with uh, youth uh, students, so perhaps you see that their frustration grievances uh, very closely. So I would request you to share the challenges youth face uh, in getting help uh, from their families um, or from larger community. So what kind of support do you think that South Asian youth need from their family and community to have a healthy mental health? Um, I think going back to kind of what you were saying, where they're like, oh, like other people will find out that you have mental health issues and that'll impact your future, or like how our family is perceived, how you're perceived. I think um, the support of like, hey, like, it doesn't matter what other people think, like we just want you to get better. I think that would be like a great start in terms of the kind of support that youth would want from their family um, in their mental health journey. And then, um, yeah, Namrita, do you have anything you wanna? Yeah, I was gonna build off of your point, but I know that we mentioned the collectivist nature of a lot of South Asian communities. And I feel like that creates like the status quo of being like, oh, we have to maintain a certain perception of ourselves and our family and having obviously mental health challenges is seen as a threat to that kind of positive perception. But if instead we could change the narrative and focus on obviously promoting health holistically, both physically and emotionally, I feel like that could help us not only have a better quality of life, but also be a better person like relationally with everyone in our lives. So overall, it could have a more positive impact as well. So what are the reasons do you see that uh, you know youth are frustrated about uh, in our community? They're frustrated about health for mental health well-being. I think outside of like their family not understanding, I think even like a lot of therapists are not South Asian. Mm -hmm. um, so I think like they can't relate necessarily. So the help they give, although they are trying to give it and they are professionals, it's not catered to the South Asian community. And I think um, that's definitely something because I think people need to vibe with their therapist for sure if their therapist is going to like help them if they're going to take any of the help that um, they're seeking. So yeah, yeah. that's a valid point. Like uh, therapists should be culturally responsive. They need to know the culture when they're, they're um, helping people from that culture. Yeah, Namrata, can you share anything else? Yeah, I was going to say that especially resonates with me because that's actually why I'm studying psychology and sociology is because I do want to become a culturally sensitive therapist in the future, recognizing that there is a very large disparity. And right now they're not there are, are not a lot of uh, people of color therapists in general, let alone South Asian therapists. Mm -hmm. So they are certain cultural dynamics and contexts that are important to consider when providing 
care and mental health treatment that need to be like factored into how you treat patients that may not always like be delivered with a non-South Asian therapist, like Mudula pointed out. And I just think like having that kind of cultural understanding can make a really significant impact for the, for the client. I don't know how many youth community members will be listening this podcast. I hope uh, they will be listening. Uh, and uh, if I want to ask one question on behalf of them, uh, that how can teens communicate with their parents if they need help? Um, if family members don't provide adequate help, then what do they do? Yeah, I feel like this is definitely a really hard conversation to have. Obviously, if there's a lack of conversation in the first place about mental health and like how to seek treatment. But I think a really important part of it is obviously with the understanding that your parents want to care for you and what's best for you, you can explain how mental health is equally as important as physical health. So just like you would seek treatment for, you know, getting sick, you would take some medicine. It's the, honestly the same approach as trying to seek mental health care for any anxiety, depression, or other mental health in, illness that a youth may be facing. So um, there's obviously different ways to approach this with your parents, but I feel like that's the general like foundation that you can use to start the conversation. And I think um, obviously like not everybody's parents will be open to that conversation. Um, and I think being an advocate for your own health is very important, but not at like your risk. So like if you don't feel like it's a safe space and you feel like having that conversation could end up hurting you more than helping you, then I think seeking help outside of your family, even <laughs> without their like, I guess, blessing is what needs to happen. Because um, I think bottom line, when you need help, you need help. And if you're not going to get it from your family, there's so many resources that, um, you know, even this podcast could like link you to that I think are really important. So how does Manmukti help students to take care of their mental health? What do you do? Basically, each general meeting, we pick a topic and we kind of discuss the stigma behind the topic and like how to bring up that conversation with your family. And then we ask members of our Manmukti organization, like, their own experiences and like what worked, what didn't. So we kind of like crowdsource the information even um, at the end of every meeting, we have links to local LA organizations that are geared to helping people. So we have like um, the UCLA services and then we have services outside of UCLA that people can reach out to for help. I think that really sums up our general meetings well. And then I think our general meetings focus about focus on like starting the conversation and addressing common like stigma or like misconceptions as Mabel pointed out. And then in addition to that, we do have like our individual committees. So we have a research committee that actually works on compiling data from UCLA students and South Asian students at UCLA specifically on common mental health issues they face or like specific um, statements that they identify with related to mental health. And they compile, they compile an annual report at the end of the year, um, basically discussing these findings and what they may implicate. Um, and the research committee in particular is motivated by the fact that there is a large lack of stat, stat statistics on South Asian mental health. So they're trying to take the initiative and in actually making some findings related to that. And then beyond the research committee, we also have um, campus and community outreach, 
which focus on creating like events for students. I most probably South Asian students, but they're open to all UCLA students that basically have events on um, either discussing mental health or something related to mental health. Like in the past, we've had mental health professionals come and speak about certain issues or just have a, like an open forum for students to ask questions on anything that they might be wondering. And overall, it has been like a really um, insightful experience just having these events and being able to talk about these things in our general meetings as well. I also wanted to add the Sati like peer mentorship. So like we have um, mentors through Manmukti that like incoming freshmen or underclassmen or really anybody can sign up for a mentor through Manmukti and they can kind of help them navigate how to bring up that conversation or like where they can get help and stuff like that. So it's more like one-on-one -on -one if the general meetings and like the campus outreach stuff is not sufficient so that somebody can get more like more of like a one-on-one -on -one so conversation. Did thing with the parents and families so that they also know uh, that how they can support right now it's because we are like based at UCLA I think we mainly work with undergraduate students but that's definitely a potential idea that we can explore in the future maybe to have like an intergenerational kind of workshop or something hmm. um, so uh, do you um, when you said Namrata that you collect uh, statistics on uh, um, on different things like how, how what are the issues they're suffering from and um, and I'm sure other stuff. So do you want to mention any statistics? Okay, I do not have the statistics like on hand, but I do know that a lot of South Asian students resonate with feeling anxiety and like pressure to succeed. Um, and also just like a general sense of like competition, whereas other students may not resonate with that as much because they haven't had that um, kind of like academic mindset. Uh, reinforced throughout their upbringing as is common in the South Asian community. But that being said, I, I do not have the statistics right now to back that up, but I can provide that to you if you'd be interested. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, you can uh, share that um, later. But I was just curious that what kind of uh, what kind of issues they uh, it's creating a lot of mental health uh, stressor for for South Asian kids, I have two teenage boys, so I want to know that how if they're if I am doing the right thing, how um, how to help them? Um, because uh, sometimes we uh, we see that there is a communication gap between uh, parents and children, um, uh, and I'm not saying it's your fault or it's our fault. Uh, I mean. Somehow the connection is broken, and if we, uh, I'm not saying for everyone, but for some at least, the connection is broken. Like I remember one uh, student told me that um, when we need mental health support uh, and we reach out to our uh, our parents, uh, many times they tell us that, oh, what people will say, don't don't uh, talk about this issue. But when we really don't have any mental health issue, we are perfectly fine. They want us to talk to a therapy because we are not probably following the gender rule. I mean, um, that that student told me that I I am not um, uh, consider myself as um, heterosexual uh, human being. And then uh, my parents and my family they want me to go to a therapist to uh, to fix this problem 
So they don't understand that this is not a problem. I am perfectly happy. I don't have any issue. Um, and they are the one who is creating that problem, that mental health stress on me. So do you see this kind of situation um, in your uh, experience? Do you see South Asian youth, they don't have opportunity to talk to, you know, freely express themselves? Yeah, I think um, I myself am heterosexual, but um, somebody that I'm really close to um, is not. He's gay and he plans to never come out to his family because there's this like stigma and he's so scared that like they won't accept him or they'll see him differently and I think that fear of mm. what his parents think are um, it like it inhibits his relationship with them and I think um, I think the way parents can like better help their kids is if they like educate themselves on these topics and kind of have a growth mindset about it because I think a lot of the times um their unwillingness to learn is what leads to these gaps in communication and things getting lost in translation mm, yeah yeah so I think we need to do a lot of communication between generations and uh, otherwise and we have to be uh, compassionate with each other uh, to learn uh, from each other it's not that I'm a parent I know everything um, I still have to have an open mind uh, that I can learn from my kids and and they also need to um, understand that um, that parents sometimes we we came from a different country and we we we, we came from a different country maybe different culture uh, we also need some time to uh, to learn and adjust. So, um, so both of us, yeah, both generations, they need to uh, help each other. Um, so, any national or local resource um, you want to share with our listeners that can help youth community members? I'm actually part of a national organization called the Hidden Dream, and we are aimed to support dependent visa holders and immigrants in general. Um, so we have like a database of resources for like navigating college and career um, journeys just with the obstacles of not having citizenship or permanent residency in the U.S. Um, so if you guys want to check us out, it's, you can find us at thehiddendream.org. And we have a bunch of helpful um, resource guides. And you can also like contact different people on the team based on a specific field that you're maybe interested in just to see um, how immigrants may be still pursuing success and achieving success despite the obstacles that they may face. Can you spell it out? Yeah, the hidden dream. So the T-H-E-H-I-D-D-E-N-D-R-E-A-M.org. So dot O-R-G. There is no uh space between the hidden and dreams right no it's all one word the resource that i wanted to share is actually i'm i founded another organization on campus called same women at ucla stands for south asian and middle eastern women at ucla and we kind of discuss health disparities faced by women from these backgrounds um and i'm currently working with this other women's shelter in near long beach um, and it has services targeted towards low-income Muslim communities and like South Asian, Afghan, Middle Eastern immigrant women. So like 
they have services that help them with like domestic abuse and violence and um, language barriers and like stuff like that. So they have a lot of different things that they do and they target it towards women from these backgrounds. So if anybody needs resources regarding that. Oh, great, great. Um, I also want to share some resources for our listeners, like it's called NAMI.org, National Alliance on Mental Illness. Uh, people can search NAMI.org. Thank you for sharing other resources that you have. Uh, so various studies, when I was you know, uh, planning to do this uh, podcast, I was looking through various studies and I, sh I saw that, um, uh, that you know, these studies uh, show that uh, rates of suicide and attempted suicide among the worldwide diaspora of South Asian teens are very high. Uh, so do you have any comment uh, on, on South Asian teens and suicide, this, this uh, topic? Yeah, so um, a family friend that I was really, really close to growing up, um, her sister and I were the same age, so I was like best friends with her sister. Um, and one morning, like my parents woke up like super suddenly and they're like, Hey, like we're going over to like this auntie's house, like stay at home. Like, we'll call you, text you if we need you. And I was like, is everything okay? And they were like, Oh, like uncle called us and just told us to come over. And I was like, Oh, like, is everything okay? And she was like, I don't know. Like, I don't think so. He didn't tell us anything. So, um, my, like they lived 40 minutes away. So my parents were driving and in the meanwhile, like I'm calling all my friends that are in the community and I'm like, guys, like, does anybody know what's going on? Like, why are all our parents heading to their house right now? Because everybody's parents were like en route and we're like, what the heck? And um, I ended up calling my friend, like the little sister. And I was like, hey, dude, like, where are you? Like, are you okay? Like, my parents are on our way to your house. Like, what is going on? And she was like, oh, my older sister, like, committed suicide, and we were, like, for a minute, my whole brain just, like, nothing was computing, and I think she was five years older than me, and so I just, like, I saw her almost every day, and I was just, like, I didn't see the signs, and, like, nobody in the community saw the signs, so I think after that event kind of shook our community, we started having more conversations, and we were, like, okay, like, what are the signs to look for? Like, are our kids actually okay? Because before that point, we wouldn't have that conversation. Like that wasn't even a question. It was an assumption that we were all doing okay. And um, it was traumatizing for our community. And I think from that, we learned to like look for signs. And so I think um, it's really important to like have that conversation before that happens. Because um, most of the time, it is preventable if you just have that conversation, provide the resources that somebody could need to combat whatever they're experiencing and just being a listener and like listening to what they have to say. So sorry to hear this. And I know um, we shouldn't have this kind of tragic incident um, happening in the first place to start the conversation, right? So we shouldn't wait this kind for this kind of tragic incident we can start this conversation we need to go deep uh, to to find out what is going on what is wrong in our community and how we can fix it right thank you so much for saying that and i think um yeah it, it is a tragedy that definitely i think we could have prevented if we just 
if we were more proactive. And so I think that's why it is important to be proactive. And so podcasts like this that bring this information to other people and kind of encourage them to look into it and like be curious and have conversations, I think is super important. Yeah, we should we should actually have conversation on taboo topics like mental health, like suicide, like domestic violence, this kind of community issues. We should have conversation, multiple conversations um, with our friends, families, colleagues, um, uh, at the social parties, uh, everywhere, so that we can break the stigma. And I'm really, really, um, uh, you know, thankful to when I see that youth community members, they're more open, they are talking about this issue openly, and they're trying their best to break those stigmas. And um, and I'm, I get hopeful that uh, one day we will see a change um, in our community. Um, so do you have any suggestions for our listeners in destigmatizing mental health issues and help seeking? I think the first step is obviously to start the conversation, like Ridla emphasized. I think it's quite tragic when it gets to a breaking point, like we mentioned. But if we just start having casual conversations about how people are genuinely feeling instead of assuming that they're doing okay or assuming that they can just overcome any challenges they may be facing, we can have a more open space to express concerns and also recognize if we aren't doing well and we need to seek additional support. I think there is also an idea in South Asian culture that help shouldn't be seeking unless something is broken. But the idea of mental health treatment is that, no, you can use that to actually support your growth and just, you know, make you a better or make your life a little bit easier and better, easier to bear. So it's not about reaching that breaking point. It's about preventing us from getting to that breaking point in the first place, I think is really important. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, suggestions and uh, you know I also uh, think the same thing like whatever you are sharing um, Namrata um, I really um, I'm 100% agree with you and uh, hopefully we will have more conversations on this topic and we will be able to break the stigma thank you Namrata and Mridula for sharing your perspectives um, and your experience with us I hope who are listening to our show today, they will think um, what they can do in their power to break the stigma. Uh, we hope uh, more people will uh, speak openly uh, about what they're experiencing and, and, uh, and seek professional help if they need. It's very, I, and the, this story that, like Midula shared, it's, uh, it's really, it's not, I'm not, able to get it out of my mind. It's so unnecessary. It's so, um, so tragic and someone full of life, full of uh, potential opportunities and suddenly she's no more and it's so sad. Um, so I hope this podcast will help people to understand the seriousness of this issue. And um, I hope more people will um, talk about this issue and they will seek professional help without fear of judgment, discrimination, or harassment. And parents and family members will support their children to take care of their emotional well-being. That is so, so important. First, parents and family members, they can start um, you know, helping. Then we can expect from outsiders. So thank you, Mridula and uh, Namrata. Of course. And I actually wanted to add something. Um, I also wanted to say that like, it's 
a long-term journey, like going to therapy one time can be beneficial, but I think the change that you see happens over a period of time. So it's important to be consistent and like not even like the person seeking help, but also people supporting the person seeking help, right? It doesn't, it doesn't get fixed after one time. So I think it's more like physical therapy where you gotta keep going and keep implementing what you learn in those exercises in your everyday life. So dear listeners, you may already know that May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And in this month, many individuals and organizations actively raise awareness about the importance of mental health well-being. You can also do the same. You can also help in raising awareness and breaking the stigma. Please educate yourself um, about mental health illness, about mental health issues, so that you don't make any assumption. You don't end up hurting people who are already suffering. And you can help in reducing stigma associated with it. If you know someone is suffering, then offer your help, listen to them, connect them with the right resources. This is your host, Nandini Re, signing off today. Um, thank you for listening to the Maitri podcast between friends, conversations with Maitri. Find all our episodes on YouTube, SoundCloud, Apple, Google, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. Please follow Matthew Beria social media pages. We are on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and join us in raising awareness. Bye now. Um, stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you. This show is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice. Always consult an attorney for legal advice. Views expressed by guests of the radio show are individual opinions and not endorsed by my opinion. This project was made possible by funding provided by Santa Clara County Office of Gender-Based Violence Prevention.